Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. of January, Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thank you, as always, for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You can find out more online at pearlriverresort.com. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I am Richard Cross. Thanks for being with us. You want to be a part of the conversation Join us, won't you, on the C Spire text line. That number is 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Not all the days are going to be like this one, where you get 70. I, I, I pulled up the forecast, Porky, where you are in Jackson. I think it's 76 and yeah, sunny in our beautiful. state capital on this random Wednesday, January day. And spent the whole day inside, but that's all right. Well, that's uh, that's a you problem. Well, that's just kind of what I had, you know, the, the whole like work, work. And job stuff. <laughs> ha- having to work kind yeah. of kind of puts a hamper on things uh, sometimes. But stunning, yes, down here, absolutely. Yeah. A little bit of I, I say a breeze. It's more like five to ten, but a nice wind as well. So even though it's approaching eighty, you're still comfortable. It's the best. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, it was. We had this alternating clouds and sun today, and when it got cloudy and the breeze picked up, it was like, ooh, it's kind of chilly. And then the sun would pop out, and you're like, man, I could go for some shorts right about now. But a, uh, a beautiful day in the Magnolia State. Thanks, as always, for being with us. Um, we got plenty to get to this afternoon, including uh, middle of the 4 o'clock hour, David Kellum is going to join us, and it's not to talk about Ole Miss basketball or Ole Miss football or Ole Miss baseball specifically it is to talk about what uh, Brian Haydad told you on Monday was announced, and that's for the ninth time David Kellum has been named the Mississippi Sportscaster of the Year. We want to uh, congratulate him for that on air, and we'll talk some about uh, maybe whether or not last summer was kind of a crowning achievement for his broadcast career. Uh, it's the first time that he has been able to uh, call a national championship uh, for Ole Miss, much less one where uh, the Rebels won it. So uh, we'll get into that coming up a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, there's football stuff. There's still aftermath from the uh, the national championship game on Monday night. Uh, nothing has changed about the outcome. Georgia still won, and uh, they did so in uh, an impressive fashion. But we're kind of to that point where we're 
don't know that we're saying retrospective, but we're looking back on the uh, on the football season that was. I'm curious, Michael Borky. I know you're curious about this because you wrote the question. I'm just reading it. What was your favorite moment of the 2022 football season? And I think there are two ways to answer this, right? Favorite moment as it pertains to a team from here in Mississippi. Hey, Dad, your favorite Mississippi State moment of the season. Favorite Ole Miss moment of the season. And we want to hear yours as well. In fact, your memories at times are better than ours. And uh, you can tell us your favorite moment from the football season on the ceasefire text line. But then beyond that, not just local, all of college football, favorite moment of the season. Porky, I know this is something you've been kicking around a little bit, maybe even uh, calling it a little cheesy. A little bit. Let's start with you. What's Cheesy's uh, fun. uh, Maybe local and national. So national, uh, it's a, a brand that I make fun of quite often, honestly. Uh, because they haven't been good since I was uh, a small child. But the environment in Knoxville, the, the college game day, the, the environment itself, the game itself, and then the post-game visuals after Tennessee beat Alabama with the, the fireworks up around Neyland and then the cigar smoke rising up out of the stadium – what, 50,000 fans on the field? Something like that. I mean, half the stadium on the field, blanketing the entire thing. That was college football at its absolute best. Big-time environment. Major upset, sort of. I don't know if you know this or not, but college football is better when Tennessee's good. Oh, don't even. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, that that was as... Perfect of a college football thing. If I was trying to sell college football to somebody, that would have been my sales pitch. That game, that environment, those visuals, the post-game reaction, all of that. And it was the perfect point of the season for a 2.30 game, right? Starts in bright daylight, transitions into dusk, and by the time the game ends, the lights are on and it's dark and it feels like a night game. Yeah, uh, that was a really, really good visual in college football this year. Hey, Dad, what about for you? Hey, if we're just in a one moment, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with uh, TCU's fire drill field goal against Baylor. Ooh. That's Ooh. a good one. I just thought that that is just so beautiful, and I love there was a somebody tweeted out a video the next day of somebody who was in the end zone and was recording the whole thing, so you get that reaction as the ball, and they're all TCU. It's just fantastic. It's just so much fun. Everything on the line, and you had to run out there and do it when it matters the absolute most. How can you not love that? It was great. And and, and that was the difference in TCU being in the playoff and not being in the playoff, right? There, there was Absolutely. no margin for error for the uh, for the Horn Frogs in in that moment. You know, you guys laughed at me when I picked or, or, or said that I was kind of pulling for Georgia. And lots of listeners were like, yeah, he is one of the Blue Bloods, right? And there are a, a few of those programs that they just live a different life than everybody else in college football. So there may be some recency bias here. And picking a favorite moment from the season coming from bowl season maybe is a little crazy. But when we were on the air for the last four and a half minutes of the Cotton Bowl and we watched Tulane, who had 
what, 30,000 people at Jerry's World? They don't put 30,000 people in their own stadium ever. And yet it was like everybody that was a fan of Tulane was there for that game. And why wouldn't they be, right? It's not that far from New Orleans to Dallas. And that's the biggest moment for Tulane football in close to a century. And to see them from down 15 to winning against one of those traditional powers, one of those blue bloods, one of those programs that lives in a different zip code than everybody else in college football, I I just thought that was an incredible moment to uh, to see Michael Pratt, to see a team that went two and ten a year ago come back and have the magical season that they had. I thought that was outstanding. And and if it's not my favorite, it certainly is one of my favorite national moments of the entire season. And by the way, really good uniforms to go along with it. <laughs> Tulane's uniforms are really, really good. What if we make it a little more local? I think they're obvious. I think. And, and for for State, it's an unfortunate... I don't know if you can call this the, the best moment because it arose from unfortunate circumstances, but winning the bowl game was really cool considering what they had been through uh, the weeks leading up to it. that's that, that can't be like the best moment because of why that was what it was. But that's got to be way up there in terms of postseason moments in the history of the program. Winning that game after dealing with what they dealt with is uh, is really cool. And for Ole Miss, it's the strip sack on Will Levis to beat Kentucky. I mean, the, the, it was a beautiful day. They did the powder blue out, and that is Ole Miss's best color. I know some people don't like hearing that, but it is. <laughs> the stadium looked amazing. Uh, the, the visuals were awesome. And the strip sack on Levis to seal the game after you forced to fumble the possession before and it vaulted you to 7-0 and inside of the top 10, it fell apart after that, but that was a really... That was a pretty awesome four quarters of football right there with the visuals and everything that came with it. Yeah, and and for Ole Miss, the Kentucky game is what I was going to go to as well. And, you know, you you didn't know what Kentucky was going to become. That was a game that I had circled all year long, or all offseason long, because you knew what was happening before that, that Ole Miss should be 4-0 going into that game. You knew that Kentucky should before no going into that game. And so you got that. To me, the only thing you didn't get was the proper kickoff time. You were stuck with an 11 a.m. kickoff time, and yet it still looked great. It was one of those kind of like canopy of blue chamber of commerce days. And I always think it's cool and adds to the environment when you've got a legit visiting crowd. And that may have been Kentucky's best road crowd in a decade. For, for, for anywhere that they've been. There were, what, somewhere in the five to seven, 8,000 range of, of Kentucky Blue fans that were at the stadium in the game. It's a close game. Ole Miss made some big plays. Yeah, I know Kentucky turned out not to be great. Ole Miss stumbled down the stretch. But in the moment, that was a big deal. What was it? It was seven Kentucky, and well, I think Ole Miss was 11 in that game. Something like so, that. So you were right there on the edge of a top-10 matchup. It felt big at the time. That was, to me, the uh, the coolest moment for Ole Miss. We'll ask K-Dad what Mississippi State's best moment was on the other side of this timeout. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm in the Pearl River Resort Studios. 
to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Talking about our favorite moments from the 2022 college football season. Sean says being a diehard VFL. That's fall for life. Seeing Tennessee pull out the win against Alabama and the three ESPN college game day appearances during Tennessee's season this year. I guess that was the most frequent stop for uh, college game day, and they put on a good show uh, when they were there. Here's another one. Week two, when the Sun Belt put itself on the map. App State over Texas A&M, Marshall over Notre Dame, Southern Miss over ULL on ESPN primetime on Thursday night. That was a really good weekend from the Sun Belt Conference. Buddy in Iberville wants to know if it can be a high school memory. Sure, buddy. Whatever you like from the football season. We're primarily talking college memories, but if you want to throw a high school one at us, go for it. All right, here's one. No name attached to it. Selfishly, I'd love to pick Mississippi State beating Ole Miss, but honestly, it was seeing teams across the country rally around Mississippi State and share stories of Coach Leach after his passing. That's from Jeff in Meridian. Sorry, Jeff did have a name on that. Hey, guys, it's an uh, it's Allen, Alabama fan. I know you'll probably think I'm crazy, but my best part of the season is that it's over, and that's weird to say because I love football. I guess because this season was a tick below the standard that has become Alabama football? I don't know, man. Still 11-win season. Probably ought to enjoy them because they are not guaranteed forever. I do know that seeing Alabama in the playoff feels like a birthright. And I'm not even being flippant when I when I say that, right? I, it just it it just feels like that because it's what you've done for a decade plus. But man, enjoy them. The, try not to ever let it get old because there's no guarantee it sticks that way forever. Another one, my favorite moment: Florida State having a great year and beating the Water Lizards. Go Knowles. Florida State fan chiming in. Love it. I love it. All right. Hey, Dad. Mississippi State. Favorite moment this season. This season. I really want to say that I don't think I'll ever see anybody throw a chair onto a field again. That might be that might be one. Hmm. Uh I saw that look. I saw your look there. I saw those nostrils flare. Uh it's probably gotta be Randy Charlton deflecting that pass, the two point conversion. And and getting sealing up the egg bowl win. That's probably gonna be it. Um I, I got a big kick out of Marcus Banks's touchdown at the end of the uh, the Rely Quest Bowl just because of the, the crazy nature of it I thought was a really fitting tribute to Mike Leach. Uh, I, you know, something that you couldn't have possibly planned, obviously, but I just thought that, that if that's the way his last team scored a touchdown in a season, he would have he would have gotten a kick out of that. Um and then, 
just the way State dominated Texas A&M and 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 Arkansas in back-to-back weeks to sort of make the, the point that they were going to be a better team than a lot of people thought. I thought that was fun, but Charlton's deflection. Uh, you know, we, we haven't come up with a catchy name for it yet, but to me, that's right up there with a lot of the 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 one time you know the the big plays in Egg Bowl history. Yeah. Morky, hey, Dad didn't really understand the exercise. He just decided to pick all of the high moments for Mississippi State on the football field this year as his favorite. It's Charlton. It's Charlton's deflection. It's Charlton. hey, Charlton's deflection. I understand why why you and other Mississippi State fans would immediately go to the Egg Bowl as favorite mm-hmm. moment from the year, and and there's nothing at all wrong with that. But I was kind of looking back through Mississippi State's schedule, and it was what you mentioned a second ago. Not so much the two week stretch, but the game against Arkansas. Right, it was another. Wasn't that one of those really pretty days? Gorgeous, beautiful day. Second Saturday in the month of October. I know an eleven a.m. kickoff, but the stadium was basically full that day. And Mississippi State jumped out to a fourteen nothing lead. Now there were times where it didn't feel a hundred percent comfortable when Arkansas kind of made it a game in the in the second quarter. State was actually up twenty one to nothing in that game before Arkansas kind of punched back a little bit. Game was never in doubt. Never in doubt. Even though Malik Hornsby had some big runs. That feels like kind of the perfect college football Saturday. Right? Early October, beautiful day, packed house, get the win early in the day, get to go home and watch football for the rest of the afternoon, the rest of the evening. I thought that was a really good moment. I don't know if that's anybody's favorite moment this year for Mississippi State. But to me, that's one that you would highlight and go, you know what, that was a really good Saturday in Starkville. Was it Charlton's right hand? Yeah. Randy's right? Oh, uh, you're trying to I'm, 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 Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think through it. Because you got to name that. The that handy, needs a name. The handy Randy. Yeah, that, that doesn't no? work. Sorry. No. All right. Well, we'll figure yeah. it out. we got time. So. Surprise seven. The thing about the Arkansas you didn't game laugh too. At that as you said it. The uh, the, the Arkansas game. What what makes it interesting is you know State was five and one going into a bye week. I think we all thought the next week they were going to beat Kentucky. That was kind of the high point of expectations for Mississippi State. You know that was a point where you were like they, they could really have a good season if they go to Kentucky next weekend and win. Of course, that didn't happen. And the season plays out the yeah. way it did. And yeah, what happened next? So. What about you, Southern Miss fans? You're listening. What was your favorite moment throughout the course of the season? If it wasn't at the time, it needs to be the Frank Gore. No, if it's not Frank Gore running every which way but loose on Rice, uh, then you've got to got to pick something different. That's uh, that that's the one. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other messages on the uh, the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Somebody says, Texas A&M being awful and Jimbo having to live with it. That's their favorite moment. Well, that's kind of an extended moment as well. But, yes, it was, it was, it was fun. lots of moments. <laughs> we got a laugh out of almost every week. I, I like this from Lucas. He, he's talking about Mississippi State. He says, the blocked field goal attempt then returned for a touchdown versus Texas A&M was my favorite state memory from this season. It got Really, really, really loud when that happened. It was good. Yeah. Like you're in a loud stadium, you're like, wow, it's loud. And then you're like, oh, it just went to a different place. It just went to a different level. Yeah. That's where like it was. Like the block was loud. The block was loud. But when he scooped it and you realized he was gone, you're like, that's when it went up a notch. Yeah. 
Here's one for Southern Miss watching Frank Gore Jr. go wild against Rice. Yeah. It's got to be three. Gotta how be many? It. Three what? Why does 327 oh, stand out? But I feel like it was more than that. Uh, my other favorite moment from the 2020 season. Okay, I was close. It was Florida State's last minute field goal uh, to win over LSU. That whole, the whole final like 90 seconds of game time in that game is one of the best college football moments of, of the year. Yeah. Uh, Gib, you're going to have to forgive me for not reading your message on the air. The win over Tulane to win the bell back. <laughs> That's another Southern Miss memory. Here's another one. Southern Miss beating Tulane. Uh, Egg Bowl, the immaculate deflection. Isn't that what the, the field goal that blew back is? I was gonna say, I think I've heard that somewhere before. It's taken. It's taken. We can't. We can't. We can't go that route. Mike in Oxford, uh, one that I mentioned earlier, Tulane's comeback against Southern Cal, pretty special, no doubt. Very fun. Very fun. Um, and Dale from the Delta says, looking back now, probably that Tulane win for uh, for Southern Miss. Preston and Fulton goes with uh, Jonathan Mingo's record-setting day against Vanderbilt. That was a special day for Mingo. Absolutely special day. Porky, you were there for this one. Brandon says game day in Jackson. Yeah, it was cool. It's a good one. Weather held off, man. It's a really good day. Uh, let's see here. Favorite state moment was the Arkansas game. First game, my nine-year-old daughter went with me, and she had a blast. It's a good one. That's cool. That is really, really cool. If, uh, if you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us today on the C Spire text line. And, of course, every day. Again, that number is 601-879-4395. Michigan pounding Ohio State in the horseshoe. I can get behind that. Chaz, Chaz has a, a, an Oxford cell number. I wonder if that's like just random college football fan that doesn't like Ohio State. Or there's like a tie to Michigan there. Harbaugh's going to get them in NCAA trouble and bolt right out of here. That's going to be great. I I, I will never uh, never forget. It's not like it's that big of a deal. But the, the amount of people in our business that just will, will listen to what a coach says and just regurgitate it as if it's the most profound thing they've ever heard. Blows my mind. They did it with Saban and the competitive balance garbage that we heard last offseason. And then last week it was, oh no, Jim Harbaugh's not satisfied with the direction of college football, so he wants to get back into the NFL. Oh no, guys, it's the NFL's always been a better job than college, and also he broke a bunch of rules, and he's going to get at least suspended next year. Like, well, like, why does nobody think for themselves in our business? We just regurgitate what people tell us to say. It's crazy. Wait, you think Jim Harwell's going to get suspended next year? Hey, there's a, a serious change that happens, yeah. Mm. But he'll be mm. in the NFL, so it won't matter. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi on this Wednesday afternoon. This came out, uh, I guess it was last night. Spencer Rattler is returning for the 2023 season at the University of South Carolina. Michael Borky would immediately insert the line, well, where was he going to go? Yeah, where was he going? The NFL? I don't know if that's entirely accurate for him. There's a pretty significant skill set. He could have gotten drafted. Yeah. He could have gotten drafted. He made the right choice, though, uh, returning. In wins over top ten foes Tennessee and Clemson, he threw for 792 yards and eight touchdowns with just two picks. Those were his two best games of the year. Yeah. It was uh, exceptional. Shane Beamer was excited, by the way. <laughs> As he As should he be. Should be. So, very few returning quarterbacks in the SEC. When I saw that, that's that was where my mind went. Was, yeah, good for South Carolina, but, man, there's not many. I mean, think about it. So, he's back, Dart's back, Rodgers is back. Mm-hmm. Now, now I think Spencer Sanders, apparently, uh, Ole Miss is a really good shot to land him. I don't think he's upseating Jackson Dart. He's going to be the returning starter until proven otherwise. Um, Hold on. Hold on. Six of the seven teams in the West return their quarterback. League-wide, though. Levis is gone. Young is gone. Bennett's gone. Anthony Richardson's gone. Depending on what you look at the Vanderbilt situation. The West has got everybody back. Mike Wright's gone. A&M did a weird thing with quarterback, but sounds like they're they're, they're done there. Uh, (laughs) Is Robbie Ashford going to be the starter at Auburn? Well, I don't know if he's going to be a starter, but he's back. They're recruiting every single transfer portal. They're trying to get some money. No avail and Daniels so is back, obviously. Yeah. So, so it's six out in the in the in the in the West, and then in the East. Rattler. I mean, whoever starts for Vanderbilt is probably the other kid who started games this year, right? So, I mean, you could call him Possibly. a returning starter. And then I assume is Brady Cook back for Mizzou? I assume so. They played a couple of guys, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, but that Cook out, was the guy that most kind of settled in yeah. for most of the at the end of the year. So that's nine. Is am I, am I missing in front of that? You, you you said Florida no, Georgia no, Kentucky no, Tennessee no, Tennessee no. So there you go. You know, so eight or nine, depending on how you look at Vanderbilt. Yeah, you know, whatever you think about the SEC and returning quarterbacks, but nationally, ooh, Pac twelve, Caleb yeah. Williams back. Pac twelve has. Bo Incredible Nick's quarterback back. talent next year. Yeah. Um, Cam Rising back at Utah mm-hmm. next year. I thought that was huge Michael news Penix for Utah. Michael, Michael Penix back, back at Washington next year. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cam Ward will be uh, back Jayden at Delora. Washington State again next year. Jane Delora is back at Arizona. At Arizona. So more experience there. UCLA, DTR mm-hmm. uh, is gone, but they got a five star quarterback. Might start right away. And then maybe, you know, I don't know, but intriguing, Shadur Sanders at Colorado. Cavassier Smoke just committed there today, by the way. Yeah. Hmm. Immediately has flipped that roster, and he's not done. Uh, Again. No, he's he's not, but Cavassier Smoke doesn't really do much for me. He just hadn't been good. I mean, he's been he's been a serviceable backup, and that's it with a really cool name. If he if his name was was Sam Smith, no offense to all the Sam Smiths that are out there, we wouldn't think anything about Cavassier Smoke, other than he played, he was a backup running back in the SEC. 
But I mean, I didn't say he's going to be a Heisman contender. It's just no, a no, good no. I wasn't for yeah, Colorado. I, it's a solid player. It's a solid player. Just he's a dime a dozen. Not that I could do. They what went he does. one and eleven last year. They went one and eleven. Getting an SEC backup who can give you five per is a good pickup. Okay. I, I'm not disputing that. I just was kind of like yeah. saying I'm out on Cavassier Smoke, even though it is a a, a name. That, uh, uh, that Colorado has. A similar phenomenon. I don't know how many people actually think this way. But it's probably very few. But I, I got a text from a friend last night about uh, Gene Baptiste, where Ole Miss will possibly have two on their defense, unrelated mm-hmm. guys whose last names are Gene Baptiste. Are they both Gene Baptiste or is there a Jean Baptiste I, I would lo- in, uh, with one of the two? Uh, I know the one from UCF have to is pay- Gene Baptiste. Do we have to pay homage to the one that is Jean Baptiste? <laughs> yes. But but I had a friend text me last night. Was like, why are Ole Miss fans excited about getting a backup at Ohio State? I was like, dude, every backup at Ohio State is somebody that would start for you. I mean, are you really going to yeah. turn your nose up at a guy that played against Georgia and played well as a rotational defensive end, considering your current situation? What are you talking about? I mean, the only the only player, the only position at Ole Miss that I think an Ohio State player couldn't come in and immediately start is tailback. And then, and who knows State. who's going to play quarterback there? Also, but at State, you know, on this year's team, I don't think Ohio State's corners. I would take Emmanuel Forbes. That's probably it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got talent. I mean, you think about the Big Twelve. Max Duggan's gone. Returning starter at Baylor. Returning starter at Texas Tech. Quinn Ewers, second-year starter at Texas. Dylan Gabriel back at Oklahoma. I'd love to tell you who the quarterback was at Iowa State, but I don't remember because they weren't very good this year. doesn't matter. It wasn't Brock Purdy. Matt Campbell in hindsight. I mean, good on him for sticking around, but probably wishes he'd have gotten out earlier. Overplayed his hand. Jalen Daniels at Kansas. I would say Jalen Daniel at Kansas, right? Yeah. And then There's Kansas State had a uh, Kansas State. They went away from Adrian Martinez and went to I think a freshman, so he should be back. I forget what his name is though. Quarterbacks in the ACC. I mean, Travis Henry is the guy that's going to generate so oh, we, much attention we, at Florida State. We missed one in the in the Pac-12, by the way, at Oregon State. DJ say his last name. Uyangale. Yeah, he's headed. He's in. He's in Oregon State. You want to bet he plays better, and not because of conference. He'll play better. He'll play better. Yeah. Man, I, I, Do we know I, that he's going to start there? I will never forget. I don't know, truthfully. I but I'll, so. I'll never forget listening to Trent Dilfer talk about quarterback development at Clemson and said that the reason that Trevor Lawrence was good at Clemson was because he was Trevor Lawrence, and he said his mechanics, his ability to play got worse as his career went on. And he's like, that's not the first quarterback I've seen do that at Clemson. He said, "You, I watched Trevor Lawrence, and that happened. And I watched DJ... And he got worse as his career went on at Clemson. And and now, you know, Dilfer's coaching in college, so we won't get insightful stuff like that about other teams anymore because he's a coach now. But I have not forgotten listening to him talk about quarterback play at Clemson and the regression of the guys there. And then you turn around and see what happened to DJ. It's like every single week for two years and two games, he got worse. Yeah. Something to keep an eye on. 
I mean, maybe we'll get to this today. We've got a full offseason to talk about tiers and, and stuff like that. Alabama's at a bit of a crossroads is not the right word, but let yourself lose two games again this season and Georgia go undefeated with their weak schedule again, and suddenly Nick Saban's been passed, like undeniably so. Clemson's at a program crossroads. This year is critical, or else they're going to lose their grip. Am I crazy for thinking that Alabama and Clemson are at two different places, though? No, not crazy at all. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying about both being at a crossroads, but I look at one as I'm, I'm trusting the best to ever do it, Nick Saban, and I just saw the recruiting class that they put together, and when Nick Saban gets challenged, he has traditionally risen to the uh, to the occasion. We'll see. Feels like a slow decline for Clemson. Like just a little bit this year and a little bit last year. Yeah. yeah. Just a just trickle, trickle, trickle. And Clemson didn't have to go to Knoxville. And, and Florida State to to getting State. better. Yeah. Yeah. Florida State getting a little better. Miami, I mean, you gotta feel it the way they recruit. They're gonna start getting better at some and point. Mario Cristobal's a good coach. Yeah. He he is. Yeah. yeah. So you can't snap your fingers and win right away at most places. People kind of forget. North that. Carolina with Drake May should be good. North Carolina State adds uh, Brennan Armstrong, so they they shouldn't have a big drop off there. I mean, ACC's not bad. And now South Carolina's yeah, trending up. Their in-state rivals looking better and better, yeah. recruiting better. Next year's the year, right? That that game's in Columbia next year. They already beat them this year. Yeah. Next year, if they beat them two in a row, that that's a trend. Clemson, you guys. think that's going to be a tough ticket next year? Woo! Oh man, big money. Clemson got saved by playoff expansion, though. Because remember, we talked about how they, their TV deal would have been three seed this year. If the playoff never expanded, Clemson was going to be, and it's still going to kind of go down this way. The revenue split is still going to be there, but their in-state rival over a ten-year span was going to get, what, an additional half a billion dollars more than them? And, and, had, and still will. Still will, but at least Clemson can win their league and have access to the playoff every year, you know? Yeah. They got yeah. saved by that, because could you imagine Ole Miss making half a billion more than Mississippi State over 10 years and how the people there would feel about that? Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Hey, Dad did not like that I would feel idea. some kind of way. Some kind of way is how I would feel. A text I got a message, name for the uh, uh, the play when we come back. In which a, a listener takes umbrage with Kirby Smart's word choice in his locker room speech. We'll talk about that next. Sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We get a message that says, are you going to talk about Ole Miss basketball? We will. We will. Just didn't really get top billing when we were laying out the uh, the order of operation for the uh, the show this afternoon. There's very little to say. 
It's very little to say. All right, I have a name for the play. I have it. I think I have it. Ready? The tip for the sip. Isn't Ole Miss the sip? Okay. All right. Are we really gonna we're gonna have this debate now? No, we're I mean, gonna I'm call not debating. the entire. I mean, they, they, they've just kind of taken on the sip. They kind of stole it their from branding. state who was doing it in 2019. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Trying to ask me? I what don't was know. state doing I in 2019? They were using sip in all of their recruiting uh, branding. Huh. I guess I have a short memory. I mean, or maybe the, I just wasn't the, paying attention. The sip. The sip is Mississippi. That's it's the sip. I mean, have you seen the hoodies with the big sip logo on them? I have, I have, I have. Can you get those in maroon and white? I, I haven't seen. I'm sure you can. You know, anybody will make anything for the right amount of money. It's just got to go to the they're, screen. They're printer. just they're just not readily available. Well, you know, I mean, I'm just thinking if it was like a big piece of its branding, wouldn't they be like where you could just like I didn't say it was a big piece piece of their branding. I'm just saying that the sip is the state of Mississippi. It's not just Ole Miss. Well, but again, That's what I'm mean, saying. you're saying that, that, that the tip was for the entire state of Mississippi. I think it was kind of Mississippi. Now I've just gotten under your skin. I realize I've just kind of gotten under your skin, and now I'm just poking the bear a little bit. But what I'm saying by using lots of words is I think you need to keep workshopping this. I, I don't think that's it. All right. I'll see what I can do for you. I don't think this is it either, but I appreciate the opinion and and respect where you stand on this. Does Kirby Smart get paid for using F-words as much as he possibly can? I don't think that's in his contract, no. Um, his pregame speech was ridiculous. So much for the Bible Belt. Mark Rick wouldn't have done that. Using F-word that much just shows your ignorance. Makes no difference if you win championship or not. It was actually disheartening and sad that he thought he had to lower himself to that, but it's all good if you can win. Not. Um, first of all, you are 100% entitled to your opinion on that, and there are lots and lots and lots and lots of people who would agree with you that it was off-putting, that it was ridiculous. Not trying to make an excuse for Kirby Smart or to make it say, say that it's right. Just telling you, as someone who has spent a lot of time in a lot of locker rooms, in a lot of different sports, under a lot of different coaching staffs, that is the norm rather than the exception. The exception is the coach that doesn't curse at a high volume. And I'm not talking about in terms of how loud it is. I'm talking about quantity when I say volume there. When talking to his team. Todd Munkin is a guy who you can learn new ways to use bad language if you're around him a bit. Bruce Arians had the ability to paint a tapestry like few others. Brian Haydad uh, pointed out on, uh, on Twitter that uh, Kirby Smart's ability to weave words into sentences made him quite the... Eloquent is that it? Something like that, yeah. Um, Mike Leach wasn't, you know, was known for some language that'll make a mechanic blush. Mike Leach does it. Lane Kiffin does it. 
assistant coaches do it. It's just kind of everywhere in college football, and frankly, most players talk that way. Uh, I'm not saying that it's right. I'm not justifying it. But getting on, this is going to sound disrespectful to you, and I don't mean for it to sound that way, but being on a moral high horse about a particular coach using profanity in what was supposed to be a private moment in his locker room is that that's uh, that's very glass house stuff. Because whoever it is that you are a team uh, a fan of, it happens on your team also. So, just saying. This sounds dismissive of the concept of class and respect, but it's football. It's football. Kirby Smart was trying to amp up 85, 18 to 22-year-olds, plus a guy old enough to be their father in Stetson Bennett, to, to line up across from each other and hit each other as hard as they possibly can for three and a half hours or so. It's a violent game. I, I mean, do you want to play Mozart in the locker room? Before? I, I don't understand it. It's a violent game. You're going to get violent language before a violent game. And the, the players loved it also. It seemed to have worked. Yeah. Four o'clock hour coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Always a crazy one broke into the stadium and I wrote your number on the fifty yard line. You were always a perfect one and a valedictorian, so under your number I wrote call for a good time. I only wanted to get your attention, but you overlooked me somehow. Sports talk, Mississippi. And I played my guitar too loud. Hey, Dad, sing it! Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Four o'clock hour. Great to be with you. Ceasefire text line is open. 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. That's the number for the Ceasefire text line. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. And that is right here in Ceasefire country. Thanks for being with us. We're coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort studio. You're probably tired of hearing me say almost every day that it's pretty outside. You know, today would be a great day to be at Dancing Rabbit. But, man, today would really be a great day to be at the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Even if today is not your day, your day can be in the future. Book your tee time, plan your trip, schedule it out online at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, David Kellum will join us in the next segment. David was named Mississippi Sportscaster of the Year by the National Sports Media Association 
That news came out on Monday afternoon. We'll talk with DK about that award, his ninth. I wonder if it loses its luster when you've won it eight times previously. Nine times. Nine times. <laughs> it's a I major wonder, award. Does Rick Cleveland still think it's a big deal to be named Mississippi Sports Writer of the Year? This is his fourteen. He's using those. He's using those trophies as paperweights and coasters and stuff. Yeah, but how many papers do you need to hold down? Just well, he's a writer, so lots, I guess. Although I think he primarily operates on the old. Computer these days. I'm just oh, saying. sorry, sorry for whoever I just responded to via text with that little pounding of the keys. Uh, good, uh, good to be with you this afternoon. Hoops last night. Always played better, at least part of the time, but the result was the same. Ole Miss lost to Auburn last night by nine. Hit a couple of free throws, nine points uh, at the uh, the end of the ball game. Eighty two seventy three. Auburn wins, and Ole Miss actually led by a point at the half. Thirty five thirty four. They were outscored by ten in the second half. Forty eight thirty eight. Scoring for Ole Miss. Big night for Matthew Morrell. We said he needed to have a better night. He had a better night. Twenty four points, six rebounds, four assists, only one turnover. Damon Brakefield, double digits once again. He had 12 points. Ty Fagan actually provided something off the bench last night. He had 13 points and hit three of four from behind the arc. But, so two starters combined for 36 points. But Borky, the other three starters provided for 10, combined for 10. Miles Burns, Theo Akuba, uh, Akuba, Akuba, sorry, and T.J. Caldwell combined for 10 points. It's not going to get it done. Mari Abram off the bench played 11 minutes. He gave you five points. Sean Ruffin, nine minutes for Ruffin. Five points. You're, you're not winning games like that. You're just no. not. Well, no, and it's the scoring droughts, I think, is the biggest issue for this team. Not only are they bad offensively, but they go long periods of time without putting the ball in the basket. I mean, they, they went into halftime with a lead and then didn't score in the second half until 16.48 to go in the game. And then there's another period in the second half where they won another two and a half minutes without a bucket. And that's good for them, considering much longer scoring droughts they've had at times this season, it's for whatever reason, when they go cold, they cannot manufacture a bucket. They can't even get to the free throw line. Their first points were 16:48 to go in the game in the second half. That is such a problem that persists on a nightly basis for this team. So the shooting numbers were better last night. 44% from the field. 36% from behind the arc, and 16 of 18 from the free throw line. Those are, are good numbers. But you've also got to look at what they allowed. They allowed Auburn to shoot 49% from the field. Auburn was able to get to the rim at will. Broom was really, really good in that game last night. He had 19. Wendell Green Jr. had 23. Uh, they got 15 out of Allen Flanagan. Jalen Williams had 12. So they had four players in double figures, and and I thought Broom was an issue. What, his 
fifth straight double-double with 19-11 and 11 last night. So the question is, why is Ole Miss going through the scoring droughts? Why is, why is that happening? And this is a basketball term. You've heard this a million times if you've watched games or listens to ga- listened to games. But the ball sticks. Like the, the movement of the ball and the movement of the players goes away for extended periods for Ole Miss. How, how many times in the second half, Borky, in that scoring drought, did Ole Miss get to eight on the shot clock? Before they were even really trying to do anything, it takes them forever to get into their offensive sets and to to play the 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 yang to that yin in the second half when Ole Miss did look good offensively, and there were some stretches where they did. They were attacking early in the shot clock. Carolyn Peck was the analyst last night, and and she pointed it out on four or five possessions in a row. Ole Miss got a shot off. Less than 12 seconds into the shot clock. There's a balance there because sometimes when you're taking shots early in the shot clock, you're getting bad shots. That's not what it's about, though. It's not about just the first shot you get. It's about attacking to create and moving with purpose and all of those things as opposed to just passing it around the perimeter and looking for a dribble handoff and then you're at eight and now you end up getting a bad shot late in the shot clock. Yeah, so bad shot early, bad shot late, what's the difference? It, it didn't happen in this game, but uh, to use what is, I mean, I think inarguably the best team in the SEC, Alabama, as a great example. Now, they have great players, which helps, but how quickly do they get into their sets? That ball gets across the half-court line, they make one pass, boom, and, and the set is there, and they are either attacking the basket or moving around with purpose. It's just a much faster, more purposeful offense. And, you know, I don't get paid $3 million, so maybe Ole Miss is trying to do things like that and they just can't. But when you watch the great teams and then you watch them, it feels like it's like every pass requires so much effort for Ole Miss. Every pass down to the block requires, it looks so much more difficult for them to do the simple stuff. Uh, offensively. It really does. And they, they don't have the talent on the block to compete with a team like Auburn. I mean, that's why Auburn, their second chance points, even if the box score doesn't reflect that it was completely and totally dominant, it was. I mean, Auburn was getting their misses. Putbacks were there. They were more talented and more athletic on the block. And, and that was the difference last night. Plus 10 in rebounding. 38-28. It, it felt like more. And 12 offensive rebounds to 6 for Ole Miss. The, the, the 12 number is that's significant. Um, and poor Deshaun Ruffin's not ready. Whether it's a, a mental confidence or a physical inability, but it, it's he was so explosive and electric last year, and he doesn't have that explosiveness right now. Yeah. Hopefully it's not permanent. I mean, guys come back from ACL injuries and, and still maintain a high level of basketball play. But right now... He's not that, and when you're his size and you're not explosive, it's really hard to do anything on a basketball floor at this level, anyway. And so they've they've got a lot of problems. Uh, they're they're not good on the block, and that shouldn't surprise anybody, considering who they brought in to play those spots. Ruffin's not ready. 
Um, they, they don't know what to do at point guard. Kermit Davis said as much after the game last night. has no idea what to do. They're trying new things, and credit to them for trying, but they don't have a good answer there at the moment. And yeah, you, you can't be mad at Kermit Davis for being honest. Now, if you don't like, you know, if you say he throws players under the bus or, or whatever, that's fine. But when he gives you a legitimately honest answer of, we're trying to figure it out. We don't know what the answer is at point guard. Clearly, Deshaun Ruffin can't give you what you need him to give you. Somebody just say, what happened to Ruffin? Tours ACL on February 1st last year at LSU. At, at g- going into the half of a game where he was playing unbelievably well, and it was in a stretch of games where he had absolutely figured it out and had taken it to the next level. So coming back from an ACL, and then he had the thigh bruise or the, the bone bruise in the, the first preseason, yeah, it's just, just not there. So uh, Ole Miss got Georgia at home on Saturday and uh, got to try and win that one. David Kellum will join us coming up next on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Hey, guys. What happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Our friend David Kellum joins us right now. David Kellum, longtime radio play-by-play voice of Ole Miss, and for the ninth time in his career named the Mississippi Sports Broadcaster of the Year. DK, congratulations on an award that is well-deserved. I, I asked these guys earlier, is it still an honor if it if it's happened eight times previously? You, you still get excited about that? <laughs> oh, absolutely. When your peers vote for you, it's always a, a good thing. I was laughing earlier today. Uh, you know, I think when I won the eighth one, I was feeling good about it. One of the administrators at Ole Miss, I don't remember who it was. Maybe in Keith Carter, I don't know who it was. But they said, uh, eight. I said, yeah, I've won eight. They said, well, that's, that's, that's great. But, uh, you've been doing this for 40 years. Couldn't you have won more than eight? <laughs> 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 and so I guess it's all about perspective. But yeah, it's, it's definitely an honor. And I've, I've, uh, tickled to be working in the state, Richard. As you well know, we got so many talented sports journalists, writers, and, and broadcasters and TV reporters. And so it's kind of cool. And, and Rick Cleveland's got everybody looking up. He, he just won his 14th Sports yeah. Writer of the Year award. So um, he did. And I'm reading. I told Rick I'm reading his book on Boo Ferris, and it's been a while for me to get to it. I kind of rotate through books, and our schedules are so crazy. But uh, I've read uh, a good portion of it, and man, it is really good. Not only his writing, but just the story of Boo in general is really special. David, I've known you for a really long time. I, I know you love what you do, but but try to describe to people. I mean, you, you use words for a living to describe things. Try try to describe for people kind of the joy that you get out of the job that you do. Well, I guess it, it goes back to, you know, being a high school athlete that wasn't good enough to go to the next level. I think I got 
uh, one offered Northwest Community College offered me a book, I believe, out of high school <laughs> to, to play <laughs> football over there. That was about it. Then uh, you know, I, I played multiple sports in my area. You played a whole bunch of different sports, and then it got kind of streamlined. You know, I don't want this to be too long a story, but uh, because of my interest and love of sports and wanting to stay associated with it, I just kind of gravitated toward listening to people do games and you know watching television broadcasts. And I thought, you know, that's something I really think I'd like to do. And of course, I had a theater background. I'm Mother's professor of theater at Old Miss. And so I did some theater too, and I was kind of in between really where I wanted to go. But I fell in love with sports and, and the craft of trying to explain things to others. And I grew up listening to uh, Stan Torgerson, who was outstanding for Old Miss, and Jack Crystal at State, uh, Jack Eaton in Memphis. Uh, was really, really good doing the Memphis Tigers. And then Jack Buck professionally with the Cardinals. And the more I listened to them paint stories, I thought, that's something I want to do. And so that's kind of how it, it, it piqued my interest. And, and then, as you well know, Richard, we get the best seat in the house. We get to see some incredible athletes do some incredible things and, and heck, get paid for it. I mean, <laughs> that's about as good as it gets. And so it's been a joy to, to continue to watch sports and SEC sports particularly through all these years. David, you, you love the game of baseball. You always have. There there have been a bunch of great moments throughout the, the course of your career in football and in basketball with you know Sugar Bowls, NCAA tournaments. Let's go back to last summer. And I don't know if you look at it this way, but was getting to call uh, Ole Miss winning a national championship, was that kind of a, a, a crown jewel for you from a, from a career accomplishment standpoint? Yeah, I think I think so, Richard. It, it's got to be number one in what's been a really, really long career and a long run in baseball, too. Uh, and to, to get there was incredible. To get to that day and have an opportunity to win the, the whole thing, do back-to-back in the state of Mississippi was phenomenal in itself. That's a, another story for State and Ole Miss to win it back-to-back. But I got a couple of calls from some of my peers in the league that said, hey, you may win it all today. Good luck. Have a great broadcast. It just shows you everybody wants to be in that position, Jim Ellis was there a year before, and uh, it's just it's a unique thing. And I, they said, "You got something prepared? You got something you're going to say if you win it?" And I said, "No. If I write something down, I'll screw that up." That's what I've uh, been telling people who've been interviewing me about it. But uh, so I just went in, called it normal, and didn't blow it, and everything was great. But yeah, I mean, it, it brought me to tears. It really did because I've spent so many hours covering baseball through the years, seeing so many things, and uh, to be able to get to that point. And it's rare. I mean, you think about how tough it is to get to Omaha and then to, to win the national championship in any of our sports is pretty pretty difficult. I know the Alabamas of the world make it look easy, but it, it's really not. It's, it's a special accomplishment, and to be part of it as a broadcaster is really, really cool. You know, when you think back on, on big moments, whether it's in your career or, or games that you've watched, there's like a, a mental image that you have that, that like, if I say, um, you know, NCAA tournament, maybe there's a, a specific game or a specific player that immediately right. kind of pops to the forefront of your mind. When you think back to last year's College World Series and Ole Miss winning the national championship and maybe even that, that run, right, from not thinking that the Rebels were going to get in so they get in, you go to Miami and all the rain, and then Hattiesburg, and, and then Omaha. What's the image that comes to the forefront of your mind? It was it was really incredible just to watch it, Richard, from a standpoint of, uh, you know, we're in the middle of the season and struggling like mad. I didn't think we had enough games to even get it solved, you know. And knowing that we had a really good team with uh, – and Tim Elko's the, the image that I get, and I know that mm. – 
that sounds like what everybody would point to. But when Tim Elko caught the final out at Southern Mississippi, no big deal, pop up foul territory, I think, you know, and to see his reaction and to know, wow, this guy is going to get to Omaha. I didn't think about myself. It's kind of wild, you know, but the team was going to get there. But Tim Elko, who came back, who's fought through so much adversity, you know, physically, mentally, trying to, to be good at the sport that he was, he was exceptional in as a, you know, a young player in high school and all, to catch that ball and to get to Omaha, that was really, really special. And then uh, just seeing my image of the championship final final strike is, you know, watching B.J. come in before that series and just seeing the confidence in his body. And, you know, Brad Henderson and I, uh, in the commercial break before, Brad said, D.K., here comes B.J., we're fixing to win this thing before he made the first pitch, you know. And so – it, it, it's special, but yeah, that's that. You get images, and you know, Rich, you've been associated with a long time. You build friendships and relationships with players and coaches, and you feel for them when things aren't going good. You you celebrate with them when things are going well, uh, but but you always want them to succeed in in some form or or fashion. And to when it's something special like that, something I'd never experienced before, uh, it was really cool to see see those guys overcome the adversity they overcame the course that season. Visiting with David Kellum, who earlier this week was named Mississippi Sports Broadcaster of the Year for the ninth time. I, I talked with Ben Ingram, who is the, the radio play-by-play yeah. voice for the Atlanta Braves earlier today. Yeah. He was named the Georgia Sports Sportscaster of the Year. He said to tell you congratulations, and he hoped to see you in Winston-Salem at the uh, the awards ceremony this this um Yeah, summer. I hope to see Ben, too. Ben is super talented. Yeah, he uh, does a great job. He's been in our state for a while, and uh, really proud for him, and very, very deserving. And not to belittle, you know, uh, certain areas, but that is a heavy, heavy uh, sportscaster market. And so for him to win in that market and that state is really special, too. I, I'm happy for being for sure. David, just a, just a couple of minutes left. I, I, I'm curious with the, the length that you've had in your career and all that you have accomplished what drives you at this point? What do you still want to accomplish as a broadcaster? What are you trying to to do in terms of, of getting better and still growing, even after all these years? Well, that's a great question. You and I have talked about it personally, Richard. You know, I get to the point of people ask you, so when are you going to retire? It's just mind-boggling to me. When I first started, I was the young kid in the group, went in this meeting with all these unbelievable announcers, John Ward, Jack Crystal, and et cetera, et cetera, and, you know, Larry Munson, and it was intimidating at that point, and now I'm that guy. I'm the one that's been around for <laughs> forever, so uh, it, it's, but as long as my passion is still there for the preparation part of it, I think people sell that short a little bit, takes a lot yeah. to prepare for games and all, and, and as long as that's there, and I still have the, the, the energy and the love for the sports, so I'm going to continue to do it, but the flip side is, I want to have time with my wife. I mean, Mary and I have have been on this ride a long, long time, and we deserve some healthy retirement, if you will. And somebody asked me the other day, so, so what does that mean? I said, I don't know if it means a year, two years, three years, eight years, whatever. But I'd like to, to walk away when, you know, I've still got really good health and can enjoy some other things, so many other things in life we, we enjoy doing and all. So, so I don't know what the, the answer is to that, but it's, 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 you know, it's closer than it was, that's for sure. But, uh, I really have a strong passion and love being around the sports at this point. And, and David, it's been cool to see with your daughters grown, your wife, Mary, who we all know and love, has been able to travel with you more and be a part of more yeah. of what you do 
kind of on a, a not necessarily a weekly basis, but but when she wants to go, she's able to. Yeah, and that's really cool. The university has allowed that too. It's made it really, really neat, you know. And uh, uh, you, you could, kind of going back to your question, ask about what would I like to accomplish at this point as a broadcaster. I still want to continue to improve. I mean, I think that's an ongoing thing, and I want to continue to you know try to present the games better. I mean, that's what you do. Yeah. This uh, past football season, I was listening to some of the high school announcers. I do that every year. I try to just scan the dial, listen to some of our high school announcers across the state, and I'll get a tip or two from one of them and say, hey, that's a cool way to call yeah. that. You know, if I think back about football, uh, a slant and go is where you run a slant, break it off, and you know, run a go route. And one of these guys this past year called it a sluggo. Now, that may be called sluggo by a bunch of different people, but it's kind of the first time I thought about that can you feel it can you hear it sports talk mississippi yeah on super talk mississippi Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Harry on the ceasefire text line says, David Kellum is just a legend in my mind. Our thanks to DK for spending a few minutes with us this afternoon on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. CC in Cenotopia says, man, he sounds completely different when he's just talking on the radio as a uh, compared to doing a game, like a different person, actually. That's crazy. Okay. Thanks for uh, thanks for the feedback. Um, cool stuff for David. And and our apologies for the. Uh, there, there's sometimes just nothing we can do about commercial breaks, and it feels rude to interrupt people in mid sentence, and so sometimes. As opposed to interrupting, we allow it to uh, to go to break, which is what had to happen there at the very end. So, sorry for that. Um, switching gears, transfer portal news, quarterbacks, man. Jaden Rashada, we talked about ones. him yesterday, um, has asked for his release from his NLI, not NIL, but NLI from Florida. He does not want to go there has asked for a release from NLI because of a lack of follow-through on NIL, comma, allegedly, period. Allegedly. Now, what's interesting is I assume the NCAA is just going to grant a blanket waiver to whoever asks for one, but you can't put your reason down as they're not giving me what they promised when I signed there to get released from your NLI. Now, I imagine Florida's Probably not going to, I would advise them not to resist it and just let him out and move on to to not create a muddier situation for yourself. That would be my advice to them. But yeah, Jaden Rashada about to be back on the market. It, it, it sounds like there are some bad actors in his life in terms of people with their hands out, honestly, is what it sounds like. But you're right. You don't want to be Florida and let the dirty details of a what you promised him and then b what you didn't deliver to him yeah. to become public knowledge, especially b. 
Don't let your mouth write checks that your tush can't cash, my friends. So he's available. And remember, Ole Miss recruited him heavy. We talked about it yesterday. He and Lane Kiffin were really close, and Ole Miss just couldn't deliver the millions upon millions that Miami and then Florida reportedly offered to him. What does the transfer of Walker Howard mean at LSU? So Walker Howard so was, I mean, we're, we're talking legacy. It's son of Jamie Howard. Yeah. I mean, this was the guy that, that BK was dancing with on the turntable in the locker room with the lights and the whole deal. It was a big deal when LSU got Walker Howard. And it was expected yeah. that he was going to fairly quickly ascend to the starting role. Then they get Jen Daniels in the transfer portal. Obviously, Walker Howard not ready to start yet, but is this a sign of Walker Howard looking at Garrett Nussmeyer and saying, I'm not going to beat you out after this season? I thought I thought Nussmeyer was pretty impressive when they gave him some shots there late in the season. Uh, so it could very well be the case that they think, hey, Daniels will be here one more year. Or, honestly, if they go into to next year with real competition, Nussmeyer could just win the job. So, And if that's the case, he's going to be locked in mm. for a few years. So, yeah, I, mm. I think so. Because I know Nussmeyer is a better passer. Daniels is a better runner. So it just depends on how that goes. Did you see Jaden Daniels' stats this year? And what he does good, to defenses? They were good. They were good. I mean, but he, he threw a real for threat over 3,000 and ran for over 1,000. Well, the running is where he, he excels. But, I mean, I watched him play. He's he's not a great passing quarterback. I said over 3. 29-13 through the air mm-hmm. and 885 on the ground. So I was rounding up a little bit. But but still, I mean. I mean, that's knocking on I the door 4,000 yards of total offense. They can have a competition, and Nussmeyer could win it, is what I would say. And if that's the case with Howard, yeah, you're going to be stuck behind a guy for a few years, and it's time to go. Okay. Already predicting him to TCU is what I see on Twitter. Now, how would he know that he was... Wait a minute. Well, he's welcome anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I was joking with you guys during the break. uh, Get Walker Jones on the phone. Let him know that (laughs) that they got somebody to talk to now to get in that quarterback room. Uh, he would be a good pickup. But there are two things that come here. One, I don't Uh-oh. know. Hold hold the phone, Michael Borky. Per the father of Jaden Rashada, he has not filed for a request for a release. Oh, yeah, I was just kidding. Okay. This is getting exciting now. We know okay. we got lies and stories being told. Let's go. Ooh. Yeah, okay. Um, maybe Florida, maybe the, the check cleared then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's possible. That's I mean, just that simple. I mean, it's possible that the whole holdout going to class was the first level of pressure placed on Florida to follow through on its promises. And the next level was just publicly leak that he had entered the transfer portal to really send the Florida supporters into a Tizzy. Has Florida got it all together on the NIL front? It appears not. I've, I've seen people that cover that part of college football say they're disorganized, is the word that 
not funded enough and disorganized, um, for whatever that's worth. But the the, the Howard thing, because there are people doing the usual, see, this is why I don't like college football anymore. The players aren't loyal to anything anymore. You're not loyal to the players either. That That's what... It, it's such a one-way street with Bielema yesterday, and, and Howard's not going to play at LSU. He's not going to play. And if he did and he wasn't good, you'd be booing him off the field, calling for somebody to replace him. You wouldn't be loyal to the kid unless he was slinging touchdown passes. So if he saw that he wasn't going to play, which he's not, then what is the harm in the third-string quarterback at LSU going somewhere else where he's going to play at? For, for the, the dying on the hill of this is what's wrong with college football. Walker Howard's not loyal to LSU. These kids aren't loyal anymore. You're not loyal to them. Mississippi State fans aren't loyal to Will Rogers. Ole Miss fans aren't loyal to Jackson Dart. Let Jackson Dart in their first meaningful game. When they go to Tulane in week two, let Jackson Dart throw three interceptions in the first half and tell me what Ole Miss fans think about Jackson Dart. You're not loyal to them. You're only loyal to them when they're good. So why is it bad when they don't show that loyalty back? I don't understand it. We've abandoned our principles, man. I think the way... The, for, for many of us, the lens through which we are looking at college football is the same lens that we've always used. And the truth is, it has changed, and we should be looking at college football through a different lens than we traditionally have. We talk openly about what guys are getting to go to certain schools. In the past, if you were talking about what a guy was getting to go to a school that was not yours, you were you were biased and you were trying to insinuate that there was cheating. You talked about the fact openly that there was cheating. You were kind of looked at with a sideways because that was something that was only supposed to be whispered about. And many, many, many people looked at college football in the past through the lens of, well, everybody else is cheating, but I'm not. My school's not. Which was maybe the craziest of ways to look at it. To me, if you're interviewing a recruit now, you, you know how the, the, the recruiting writers, like as soon as an official visit is over, or soon as a player commits to a school, they got to get that story where they talk to him and they get a quote to talk about whatever it was. If you are not asking the question, hey, what are you getting in NIL? Then you're really not doing your job right. Fact. And guess what? There are a lot of people that if a reporter, let's say that Brian Haydad starts covering recruiting for Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just, just go with me on the example here. And uh, let, let's say that young James Borky takes an official visit and commits to Mississippi State where Brian Haydad is covering recruiting. We got him. And he writes a story, and Haydad says, James, what was the NIL package that they guaranteed you? There are a lot of people that would go, I can't believe you asked him that question. That is so out of line. 
That's private. That's personal. No. No, 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 no. That has become mainstream, and that's the reason guys are making the decisions that they're making, which makes that a fair question and, frankly, makes it irresponsible if you're not willing to ask that question. The next step is going to be when recruits start honestly answering that question, not treating it as if if it is some faux pas topic of which we cannot speak. That's where we are now. Sports Talk Mississippi. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Borky, I'm going to call an audible here, if that's okay. Something that we didn't discuss that we needed to talk about today. And, uh, Red, I'm 57. Need, I'm, I'm... Omaha! There you go. I'm going to need Brian Haydad's help also. Last night, the um, proverbial poo hit the fan when there was a resignation announcement from Stephanie McMahon at WWE and a report that said WWE, with the return of Vince McMahon to the chairmanship, was being sold to the Saudi Investment Fund. Now, that rumor has been tamped down a bit today. But you also remember rumors surrounding Live Golf continued to get tamped down only to ultimate see the, uh, see them come true. Brian Haydad, what the heck happened in the world of wrestling yesterday, and does any of it matter? It matters if you're a wrestling fan, for sure. Um, well, no, I mean, I, I get that it doesn't matter to me, but yes, that's that, that, those are the, the people about whom I am talking. Yeah, I, I would say so, because you know, Vince is sort of, he, he had retired, uh, they had given creative control, basically they had made uh, his son-in-law, Paul Levesque, who you probably know better as Triple H, mm-hmm. uh, had given him creative control, so he was kind of the head writer for the show at this point. He's and the people one in were charge pleased of what you're watching. The job he was doing. Wrestling fans, including myself, I was like, he's doing a good job. I had not jumped back in. I, was, I normally was going to wait till the Royal Rumble, which is in a couple weeks, and, and see where it went. I, I, I thought I was probably going to get back in. But now it looks like Vince has kind of gotten tired of being on the sidelines. And, of course, as everything does in this life, the sexual harassment or sexual assault allegations that were against him Seemed to have gone away. I'm sure enough money was spent trying to make those go away. Uh, and he wants to get back in. And I feel like if he gets back in from a creative standpoint, it'll just go back to being the crap it was before. Uh, they had a, a vote about him coming back. It was unanimous for him not to come back. But he said, I'm coming back anyway. And he would like to sell the company uh, and, and you know take it into private ownership. And I think the Saudis will probably end up buying it. But as you said, the the report from last night appears to have been premature. What about Stephanie stepping down? She was co-CEO alongside Nick Khan. I, I think she sees the writing on the wall. She, first of all, I don't think she wants to be associated with the Saudis as much, mm. you know, because you know they're, they're they don't have the most progressive uh, record when it comes to females. Um, and I, I just think that no, she knows. No, the, they don't. Yeah. 
I think she feels like the writing's a little bit on the wall with her dad if taken over creative. The Saudis will just put Vince back in control of creative, and that will be a blow to her family because her husband will will no longer be uh, will be no longer be in charge. And I mean, I, I just think it's a bad situation. So what happens to Nick Khan, who is now the sole CEO of WWE? You know, Khan it was was hired by Vince, and I and I think he he and Vince kind of get along, sort of see things the same way. Khan's not didn't come into wrestling as a wrestling guy. You know, you know that he was a, a big time was yeah. he a sports agent or super something? sports agent? Yeah. So and you know he's responsible for a lot of the roster cuts that fans were unhappy about, but that WWE shareholders were probably pretty happy with because it made the company more profitable. Mm. Um. I, I think he'll probably be okay, but I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes because a lot of wrestlers have been going back to WWE when Triple H took over, and now it'll be do they try to go back to AEW or, or, or how does that work? A lot, a lot, a lot of free agency uh, in, in in the world of professional wrestling. Ceasefire text line. Here's my take. Vince was forced out, took time to find a buyer, came back, and things exploded last night when someone leaked a potential buyer. Chase and Amory. Triple H has completely changed WWE programming by taking over, but the biggest issue is always the fact that Vince McMahon can't push aside his ego for the business. Stephanie is still the active chairman of the board. She acknowledged in her statement she had complete faith in Khan and Triple H. But she's not the chairman anymore, is she? No, she's, she fully resigned last night, I believe. Yeah, she stepped away from everything. Would yeah. wrestling fans be... So turned off by a sale to the Saudis that they would they would completely tune it out. Some some will, for sure, but most will just tell you that they weren't pleased with the product under Vince. They were pleased with the product under Triple H, and now if they're going to go back to where they were, hmm. you know, nobody's going to enjoy that. So bad programming That's where owned I by really bad people equals lots of viewers. I'm sure. Yeah. Well. We'll see. I mean, is years- there a scenario where Triple H and Stephanie McMahon both go to AEW? That would be almost impossible to believe. Why? It would be like you were because the, the, well, first off, Triple H. I mean, that name is owned by uh, WWE, so he's got to go back as his real name, which would be weird. Double but H. I, I double. I just can't see it. Well, why I just did not change I mean, it to like H three or something? Oh, that's good. I don't know the answer. I mean, I don't know. H cubed. I don't know. But, no, I would be very, very surprised by that. Very, very surprised. Mm. But I'd love to see it, though. It would be incredible television. Somebody gave us Especially if cares. Shane came with them. Yeah, we were just talking. Yeah. Oh, name's Shane. It's going to be a tough, tough hill to climb. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Communication system is a Go! go! This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour. Thank you for being with us on this Wednesday. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. If you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love for you to join us on the ceasefire text line, 
4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire. To learn more, visit them online at cspire.com slash business. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. To see everything that is happening at Pearl River Resort, visit their website, Pearl River Resort. It will give you a full event calendar and let you know about the things that are coming up, including live entertainment. There's a whole lot of stuff on the horizon. Uh, Hey, Dad, you remember um, what I I told you was coming up with the uh, the 90s tour? Yeah. February 4th, Rob Bass, Vanilla Ice, and... Tone. I don't remember. Tone. Loke. Loke. Morky, I, I think I accidentally said Tone Locke last time. And hey, there it goes. Do you mean Tone Loke? I mean, That's coming up Saturday, February 4th at Silver Star Convention Center. You can buy your tickets online at PearlRiverResort.com. I mean, you were in college in the 90s, right? Um. Yes, I was a freshman in the fall of 1999. So you should know who these guys are. I know who these guys are. Dude, Vanilla Ice performed at at least one, if not multiple, fraternity houses while I was in school. Nice. Yeah, good shows. Yeah. Hell, like they had to wait a long time for him to get on stage. Whatever. I uh, believe that. Anyway, uh, PearlRiverResort.com. I mean... If you're going to hear Vanilla Ice, you're really going for one song, maybe two, right? What is the second? <laughs> I don't I don't remember the other hit. I mean, I'm just assuming that there's a second. Like, if you're going to hear Vanilla Ice, maybe there's a second. <laughs> I, I celebrate that man's whole catalog, I tell you. Uh, no, yes, we're just going for one song. I mean, you're really just you going so that you end. can so that you can go a one a Beachfront Avenue. I mean, that's like that's the whole reason that's you're going. That's all you want to do, yeah, yeah, right. Um, hey, googling Vanilla Ice songs. Did he have another one? Uh, yeah, you're just no, you're just going for Ice Ice Baby. That's it. There you go. Yeah. I mean, his remake of Play That Funky Music. I do remember that now, yes, yes. Cool as ice, I guess. I would love to know deep down. I mean, that that song has continued to make a living for him, so maybe that answer is no. But, like, do you ever get sick of performing that? I would love to know that. I can't imagine he does. Yeah. I saw Edwin. Are you familiar with the term mailbox money? Yeah. I I saw Edwin McCain perform once. He's from my hometown, and. There's two songs of his that that became hits, but you probably, if you heard him, you would know him, but you couldn't name another song of his, but those two have carried him on forever. They show up in movies, all the rom-coms on the Hallmark Channel and all that. You always have I'll Be by Edwin McCain on there. And after he finished that song, everybody's cheered and the crowd got quite a little bit. He goes, thank God for that one. (laughs) 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 I was like, "I, I feel you. Chris in Oxford reminds us that Vanilla Ice did a couple of songs for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I had forgotten about that. Go Ninja, go That's Ninja, right. go, go Ninja, go Ninja. Go. Stop, stop. It's kind of all. That, stop. There, it's about all there was to it. 
Borky, if you don't clip that, I, I mean, I'm, I, I know how to clip them myself, to be totally honest. I can just do it, but you know, save me the trouble. Oh, that's, I will. that's going on Twitter tomorrow. I'll just have you know. Wonderful. That'll be great. I'm sure that'll get a ton of response, especially when I retweet it. Hey, Dad. <sighs> yeah, absolutely it will. Yeah. You're going to retweet something? What is, what is tomorrow a special occasion? No, I'm, I'm I'm actually not. I just was that was that was kind of the okay. irony in the. Statement. I was about to say, what's what's the, what's the date? What's going on? Hey, you know what time it is? It's time for the college football fix. College football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You got new F one fifties rolling onto the lot. Of your local Mississippi Ford dealer on an almost daily basis. 45 straight years. That is how long F-Series has been the best-selling truck in America. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So, Borky, you tell us that Coach Prime has stepped in it. Uh, I think so, at least according to reporting from Brandon Marcello. If you watched the pregame leading up to the national championship, because that was the most compelling thing that happened on Monday, if we're being honest, Coach Prime, actually, this is not the most compelling thing. The most compelling thing was David Pollock at halftime sitting next to Nick Saban, talking mm-hmm. to Nick Saban, saying that Georgia has now overtaken Alabama as the class of college football. That was worth the price of admission. But something else that happened during the broadcast was Coach Prime was on there talking about, leaked, if you will, to Kirk Herbstreet that his program was going to go to Arizona State in Week 0. Turns out, nope, not going to happen. Brandon Marcello reporting that Prime's appearance on there is what uh, axed the deal. Others reporting it's not exactly that way, but still... The teased Colorado-Arizona State conference game to get college football season kicked off next year was denied by the competition committee for some reason. And Brandon Marcello reporting it was because Deion Sanders spilled the beans. I don't know how those correlate, but that's what he reported. Well, if that's the reason that we don't get that in week zero, that's dumb. And why wouldn't you want Deion Sanders to put it out there to generate some buzz and some hype? I mean, we're talking about Pac-12 football. It's not like it generates buzz and hype all on its own. That said, with that being said, do you know who Colorado is scheduled to open its season with next year? Sands Week Zero? Who is Uh, it? Saturday, September 2nd. Colorado is scheduled to make a trip to Fort Worth, Texas. Take on the TCU Horned Frogs at Eamon G. Carter Stadium. There you go. More so than Colorado playing in Week Zero, does that not have ESPN Thursday night Week 1 kickoff game written all over it? It needs to be. Possibly, yeah. I mean, a massive, massive audience and introduction to the season. Yeah. Shout out Colorado, by the way. 11 Power 5 opponents on their schedule. The only non-Power 5 is their in-state rival in Colorado State. At TCU, hosting Nebraska, former conference mate. Colorado State at home, 
at Arizona State in week four. Arizona and Oregon State at home. Actually, three straight. Arizona, Oregon State, Sanford. Uh, USC. Oh, wait. Hold on. Yeah, they haven't released the dates They haven't set yet, dates. But... I was like, oh, wow, that's four straight home games. How did that happen? But we have like, their, uh, yeah. their non-conference. But, yeah, I mean, Colorado, after going 1-11, and has that schedule. That's um, it's one way to do it, for sure. So their non-conference is TCU on the road, Nebraska, and Colorado State. I saw an interesting Week Zero suggestion yesterday from Richard's close personal friend, Stuart Mandel. Stewie, how's he doing? You mentioned he's doing good. You mentioned how weak Georgia's schedule was yesterday, Mm -hmm. and he made the point that Michigan, very similar, very weak schedule. He said they should just both buy out their Week One opponents and play each other in Dallas or something. Georgia, Michigan to start the season. It's a good idea, although. I love it, but never happened. After the game Monday, by the way, you had the same people that had two very conflicting thoughts. It was TCU would not have had this year had they played an SEC schedule. And also, same people think, well, Georgia's going to go right back to the playoff because their schedule is a joke. How If other teams can't make it through an SEC schedule, how does Georgia have a joke of a schedule when they play in the SEC? Explain that. Yeah, and they also have, I mean, you know, they got an in-state rivalry game against Georgia Tech. It's just that they're bad. They play Power 5 team. Yeah. They're just and, not, they haven't, and they played Oregon this year. I mean, I don't know what people could ask about Georgia's schedule. It was fine. Well, um, th- this coming, the 2023 Georgia football schedule is a joke. It is. And of, But the, as as we talked about yesterday, though, that's because the SEC stepped in and took away their game with Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. If they were playing Oklahoma, it's a perfectly acceptable schedule. You're playing ten Power Five teams. I mean, they still play Florida and Jacksonville, if if that matters. They have to go to Knoxville, host Ole Miss. Got to go to Auburn. It's not that hard. Sports Talk Mississippi. At least not for them. We'll be back. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. I sit back with my brand new invention. Something grabs a hold of me tightly. Flow like a heart from daily and nightly. If, if we had cell phone cameras when this song was popular, I guarantee there'd be a video of Richard Cross doing the running man. I guarantee it. I could see him doing it. That wasn't a good dancer. I always wanted to be, but I wasn't. Couldn't do the hammer. Couldn't well, I mean, do the running man. It was bad. Couldn't do the hammer. <laughs> Beer uh, star, Vanilla Ice or MC Hammer? MC Hammer. Easily. Hammer had multiple hits. He yeah. had too legit to quit. Yeah, but he didn't do Vanilla Ice Goes Amish. So Or the uh he's got the building show too. Is that is that the name of it? What? Like on, on HGTV, show? there's a, a show where he builds houses. Vanilla Ice builds houses. Yes. That actually sounds fun. 
Vanilla Ice HGTV. Let's see here. What is the name of the show? I can't wait to find out. The Vanilla Ice Project. Sure. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Reality. I'm sorry. It's on DIY, not HGTV. Hosted by construction contractor and rapper Rob Van Winkle, a.k.a. Vanilla Ice, who has significant experience with home improvement and real estate flipping, began purchasing houses in his early 20s and became more involved in home improvement projects starting around 1998. Two things. First off, Hammer had the Taco Bell commercials, too. we got to give him that. Uh, Borky, I've got a poll question for you. Yeah? Who is more popular, Vanilla Ice or MC Hammer? Put it to the people. Hmm. It's got to go. we got to have that. Am I crazy for... Because they were in the same general time frame. Mm-hmm. That Vanilla Ice was kind of like a MC Hammer wannabe? Ooh, I don't know about that. Oh, my goodness. Did you know that MC Hammer is 60 years old? Why? why? I was having a good day. Why? Stanley Kirk Burrell. Former Oakland A's bat boy, right? I can't believe you, you said he had hits like too legit to quit instead of you, you didn't start with you can't touch this. Well, no, no, no. You can't touch this. This is the Ice Ice Baby. I said he had other hits like, I, I just assume everybody knows you can't touch this. Hmm. Like, you know, if we were talking about Led Zeppelin, I wouldn't lead with Stairway to Heaven. I wouldn't, you know, go somewhere else first. Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him was his 1990 album. That was the one right. that, that got him there. Everybody. Everybody owned it. Everybody. And it was a tape. A cassette tape. Yeah, it was cassette. Back in the day, cassettes. What were the what were the other like early nineties you had to have it tape? Bell Biv DeVoe? I see for Bell Biv DeVoe Boys to Men, uh, uh yeah, Boys to Men was it was it Motown Philly? That was a couple years later though. Cooley High Harmony. That, that was uh that more C D land? For me. Land? I mean we're get, that's the thing, we're getting into the start of CDs. I had Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 on cassette from Ooh, Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah. Of course, like I had like Slippery When Wet and, and you know, Shout at the Devil and uh, uh, Van Halen. I had 1984 and, and 5150 and all that. Def Leppard, hyster- uh, Def Leppard uh, yeah, Hysteria. Everybody. Everybody had Hysteria. There was some Bon Jovi stuff. Kind of kicking along in that yeah, slippery, time. slippery when wet, and then okay. New Jersey came in after that. Yeah. Hey, well, okay, we get a we get a message that is a a very valid one. New kids on the block. Yeah, for sure. They were not, more not popular than either MC Hammer or Vanilla. Either Ice one. At either time. one. A fun, they played. They played Memorial Stadium in Jackson. Really? They played in front of sixty thousand. Yeah. Somebody suggests Sir Mix a lot. Baby got back was in that time window as well. That's that's in that that time frame. Rump shaker, little Rex in effect. All right. So Bowen Indianola says Ice is way more popular and known than Hammer. If Ice walked by in Walmart, you would know who he was. If Hammer walked by, you would not notice. All right. I would say that's because Vanilla Ice has kind of stayed culturally relevant. Well, 
I mean, that kind of goes into because the I think he's, popular question. Well, that's the thing, though. He, you know, no, we were talking, that's two different things. We're, now, yeah, more people know who Vanilla Ice is because he's done reality shows and things like that, and Hammer really has. You didn't know that until just a second moment, ago. I, he's been on, like, the real world or whatever, those, some of those, like, Big Brother kind of shows. Okay. What I'm saying is, at the moment of their, the height of their fame, I think Hammer was more popular. I hear Ice Ice Baby more than I hear You Can't Touch This. Ice is more popular. Uh, Mike in Oxford says Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. We got a hoodie in the Blowfish here. I just feel like that was more CD than tape. I got that. That, that was that was a CD. I, I got that on CD. It was my first concert sure. ever. I saw them in really? Jackson at uh, Jubilee Jam. Yeah, man. If you if you still to this day can't put on Let Her Cry and feel things, there's something wrong with you. Oh, Metallica, the Black Album. Everybody had that one. Bill and Stark, well, I mean, this is this is like a forever debate, isn't it? Mm. Ice Ice Baby tune is under pressure by Queen. Yeah, it's it's definitely he he that's he definitely sampled it. Yanked however it. you want to put it. Yeah. Don't forget Not Bowie. Stole it, There's a it. difference, right? I mean you gotta Yeah, it is Bowie. Well, well there's a difference between sampling and stealing. And so, and yeah. It's not just Queen. It's Queen and David Bowie. Yeah. Oh. Fair. Oh, that's another good one there. License. License to Ill. To Ill the Beast. Beastie the Beastie Boys. Boys. Everybody had that. Everybody had that. Yeah. Everybody was talking about Paul Revere and the Brass Monkey. Was uh, what was the other song on good that times. Beastie Boys? Well, it's Fight for a Right to Party, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one I want to say about. Yeah. And No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Mm. If you don't get fired up for No Sleep Till Brooklyn, that, that's a good one. Man, Fight for Your Right to Party reminds me of minor league hockey games growing up. They play that every time a fight broke out. As they should. Of course. Uh, I miss those days. I still do the hand sign for Too Legit to Quit, Saw Vanilla Ice in Starfield. <laughs> do you? I mean, when, when, when do you ever really do this? Uh, you do that to your kids and then have them look at you and they just roll their eyes at you? Yeah. You know, and he had the, the big connection with Dion back in the day, did Hammer. Because he was a big Falcon. He, he got connected with the Falcons and Jerry Jerry Glanville was in one of his music videos. Ice paid Queen? Is that true? Was there I, a think they, I think they had a, a loss. I'm sure there was, yeah. Yeah. Good standard reason. 19, early '90s music for uh, for the win. Michael Borky didn't have a whole lot to contribute. There. Late '80s, early '90s. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we had gone to, he he would have been more contributable. Like if he, if we were talking '70s. Yeah. For that's my era, man. '70s, '80s, and then you know, I, I really You're liked old soul. I mean, I grew up on Hootie because of where I grew up. I mean, you know, Darius Rucker is a a state legend. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. Then, like, I really liked the the grunge era, also. But he, I had you. You, yeah, you may, that's, that's you may think point. that these two bands are not connected. Question for you. All right. Better, better group. Hootie or Counting Crows? Ooh, Hootie. that's a good one. I think it's Hootie. No, that's not. That's not but 
Mr. Jones would like a word. The, the hey, songwriting nah, it's, in it's, Counting it's Crows, not. I think, is better. Now, Let Her Cry is a classic. That Cra- Cracked Rear View is great start to finish, from Hannah Jane all the way down yeah. to uh, Goodbye. It's great. Man, I'm going to listen to that on the way home. I haven't heard so, Odie in some time. And then you brought up grunge. I didn't even bring up that. I mean, I had Nevermind on cassette. I had Pearl Jam's 10. I had Stone, Stone Temple Pilots' Core, Alice in Chains' Dirt. All those were on cassette for me. Man, we used to pregame in college before we go out to Alice in Chains. We had a we had a playlist that we there made, obviously not CDs, well, but it had STP and Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam on it and stuff. I got to text somebody right now, <laughs> <Yeah>. actually. <laughs> Dwayne and Brandon says, this up. is what happens when college football is over. I love it. Yep. <laughs> you know, we've had the, the whole one of the best lyrics in a song conversation before, and I, I yeah. still kind of uh, I, I still kind of always go back to the Stones. You know, yeah. But stepped out the front door like a ghost into the fog, where no one notices the contrast of white on white. I mean, that's that's a pretty yeah. good start to a song. But I, I listened to to his interview on Rogan, and the, the the hair is fake, obviously. But he said that he is he's got a, a an anxiety condition where when they first started performing, he would have to bring raw ginger on stage with him and chew it to get his throat to open. He would get so nervous his throat would literally close. Well, a frontman of of an iconic band, great songwriter, great performer, gets so nervous before shows he brings Ginger on stage with him in case his throat closes. That's how nervous he gets. Crazy Crazy. Stuff. Crazy. I like this. LOL, he's a boomer at heart. No Kelsey Ballerini <laughs> over here. No, sir. Did you see what happened in college basketball last night? We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. There were probably, across college basketball, lots of cool things that happened last night. Two things, to me, really stood out. And both of them happened in the early window of college basketball games last night. Um. <clears throat> I want to try to play the TV copy from ESPN of one of them. This was probably off the radar. This comes from Oklahoma State and Kansas State. K-State leading 60-57. to By the way, Kansas State moved to 15-1 and with their win over Oklahoma State last night. They're up to number 11 in the country. I'll tell you why I thought this was so cool after you hear it. They double it. Noel lobs it up. I mean, the crowd was so loud you couldn't even hear what was going on there. That was a flop. I'm sorry. But all the uh, the play by play announcer goes, oh, baby, oh, baby, like three times. So here's what happened shot clock winding down, inside a minute to go to the game. Kansas State leading by three. Point guard's got the ball, gets around kind of a screen, looks like a broken play. He's 
a step inside the three-point line, and he takes what looks like an off-balance shot, only it's actually a pass. It's a 22-foot alley-oop pass to the opposite side of the rim to a baseline runner who goes up, thinks slam dunk contest where you catch it, clutch it behind your head, and then just throw it down. Okay, so the play in and of itself is cool. We'll throw a name out at you and see if this rings a bell. The guy that was on the receiving end of that alley-oop dunk was Keontae Johnson. Keontae Johnson is the former Florida Gator that in December of 2020 collapsed on the basketball court. You remember that game against Florida State? Collapsed. Yep. People weren't sure if he was going to live. People were quite certain he was never going to play basketball again. Had a big effect on that Florida team. Fast forward to January of 2023. Not only is he back, he's transferred to Kansas State. He's part of maybe the best one-two combo of guards in the Big 12. And I'm talking about high-flying, electrifying monster jam last night. I thought that was one of the cool things that happened in college basketball last night. It looked like he could hit his forehead on the rim. I had that up because it was on the same channel that Ole Miss Auburn came on right after. My gosh, he got up. It was incredible. Yeah, well, the the oop of the year so far. But um, pales in comparison to what happened parallel to that game, though. So the other early time window, I mean, there are a lot of games that that started at 6 o'clock. Rupp Arena. Perhaps you remember me saying yesterday as we were looking at the lines of games that were happening, is Kentucky good enough to beat anybody by 20? To which Haydad responded, is South Carolina good enough to stay within 20 of anybody? Apparently, turns out, yes. South Carolina goes into Rupp and beats Kentucky last night. Snapped a 28-game Home winning streak for the Kentucky Wildcats. I don't even know that that's really the story. The story is the turning up of the heat on John Calipari. And the sign in the stands. Orky, you saw it last night. A white poster board with black Sharpie marker. It simply said, please go to Texas. And they threw the the guy out. And the fans ejected from the arena. I don't understand that. It's not profane. That that feels like a lawsuit waiting to happen if you want to go down that road. I mean, there's probably some rule that says no signs or something like that, and so there's a technicality. You're blocking people's view. Although there are a lot of empty seats. I'm not sure that he was blocking anybody's view. Kentucky fans are none too pleased so, about the situation of their basketball program right now. Here's what's going to happen. He's going to go to Texas. I mean, if Texas could go another direction, I suppose. I think Texas would be nuts to not give him a shot. Despite some limitations and lack of recent success, you're telling me that <clears throat> with the class that he's caught coming into Kentucky, which, by the way, would go to Texas with him, and their seemingly unlimited resources... He wouldn't put together elite-level teams with ease there. I think it's a risk worth taking. Risk, quote-unquote, worth taking if you're Texas. Again, not great recent success, but 
do you want five future NBA players on your team or not? And when Kentucky comes open, is that the same thing as Alabama football coming open? Where everybody... In the minds of Kentucky fans, it is. But it, but is it that way in reality, where everybody would at least be interested if they called? Man, I, I think Haydad kind of nailed it yesterday. Like, I, I'm standing by what I would do if I was in Mitch Barnhart's shoes. Jay Wright would have to tell me no 326 times. And then I would immediately call Nate Oates. But if you said, would you rather have Nate Oates or Jay Wright, I'd say, no, nah, I'm going to take the guy that's got two national championships. For sure. At Villanova. Sure. He's proven it. Now, if I call Jay Wright and he says, he says to me, Mitch, I'm flattered. I really am. And a decade ago, my answer is yes. When do you want me there? But I do not have the passion to coach college basketball anymore. Then I'm not calling him 325 more times if that happens on the first call. Because I'm not begging a guy that's not passionate about it the way that he was when he won two national championships to come coach my team just because he won two national championships. So I need to know how Jay Wright feels about coming to Kentucky and coaching college basketball in this era. And once I get that answer, I'm either going to be incredibly persistent or I'll let it go, and I go get Nate Oates. Speaking of college basketball, go ahead. Jay Wright's team played some some beautiful basketball. On the other side of that coin is this this Mississippi State-Georgia game that's currently ongoing in in Athens where the teams are a combined... Yeah, it's 5-5. to Uh, the teams are combined three of 17 from the field. Mm. Mississippi State going in was a two-point favorite. The total, Brian Haydad in this game, was 129. My guess is you would have taken that. Mississippi State unders are just going to hit all year long. Pretty sure Borky put that Bulldogs were a two-and-a-half-point favorite in the uh, in the rundown, and I was just looking at it for like a few minutes. I was like, which ones? The <laughs> State Variety. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. The cooler-looking bulldog of the two. Appreciate that, yes. The one who can travel in uh, in inclement weather. What's the difference? Type of bulldog? Well, Ugga didn't go to the national... I don't know. Ugga didn't go to the national championship game. Isn't it? Significant. The bully was at the Snow Bowl. I mean, they're different kind of bulldogs, for sure. But uh, I don't know the the ins and outs. I, again, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know dogs well. Sorry, enough Georgia fans, for for the slander, but I believe the all white bulldog has to come from some some inbreeding. Hmm. And they don't look healthy. That that type of bulldog, whatever it is, does not look healthy. Like when you see Jack walking around, it's you're not. like, all right, that dog, that's a happy dog. Like he's able to move around comfortably, and like he goes on walks, and he's all good. You look at Ugga, and it's like. Man, that poor thing. When they ask him to get up, it's like, please kill me. No, they're from the. <laughs> well, I, I was going to make a joke, but then you said, "Please kill me." I had a great joke lined up, but I feel like now it's gone too far. I will tell you the joke in the break. Dang it! It was a good joke too. Hmm. I was trying the to. Came, uh, came with the death. 
All right, you've got other Bulldogs. Uh, Bully, of course, at Mississippi State. Similar dynasty of live Bulldog mascots from Mississippi State. Butler Blue, the Bulldog mascots of Butler University. Yeah. Handsome Dan with Yale. Jack the Bulldog with Georgetown. Tech or Louisiana Tech. You get a bunch of those. How'd they come up with that? What a creative name they came up with there, Louisiana Tech. I have no room to talk. Our lab's name is June. Guess why? She was born in June, so. Mm. Just saying, though. Didn't name her, but. Yes. I mean, I guess I can't go too far. It's bully at Mississippi State. So, I mean, you know. Mississippi State is uh, now leading by four. A, uh, an offensive outburst leading at 9-5 to five over Georgia. The other two games tonight in the <laughs> SEC. <laughs> go, go ahead. Uh, by 14 <laughs> points in the first seven minutes of the game. <laughs> Rolling. Alabama at Arkansas tonight at 6 on ESPN2. Brother, Bud Walton will be rocking for that one. Arkansas one and a half point favorite at home. And then Missouri is at Texas A&M. Reed Arena, less rocking than Bud Walton. Just saying. One feels like a weird opera house, not cool opera house. The other one is like a basketball mecca. We'll wrap it up next. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Last time with you on this Wednesday afternoon, the 10th of, sorry, the 11th of January. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Visit Oxford. Plenty happening in the spring. Man, the, the month of April, like you need to rest. Not really, but those of us who live and work and have business in Oxford want you to come to Oxford between now and April but if you can't, just take a bunch of naps between now and then because the entire month of April is going to be just insane. Get three home baseball weekends, double-decker, the Morgan Wallen two nights of concerts and bought him in. It's going to be nuts in Oxford in April. Point being, there's lots that's happening in the spring in Oxford, and you can find out the full schedule of events on their website. Visit OxfordMS.com. Morky, you look like you are pondering something to say. No. Deep in thought. We've had a good day today, and we've still got a lot of stuff that we are supposed to talk about today for tomorrow. I love that fact at the end of a show. Borky loves a carryover day. I do, and not not yeah. for lack of work. It just means that organic good stuff came up, like talking about Hootie and the Blowfish and MC Hammer versus Vanilla Ice. You know, you can't plan for that. Ten eighteen to go in the first half. Mississippi State with an eleven seven lead over the Georgia Bulldogs. Gotta, Accurate. Got to kind of have this one, don't you? They need to go one and one this week. So it's, if it's this one or if it's it's at Auburn, it doesn't matter. They need to get a win this week. Yeah. What did we learn today, boys? I think, 
what I think is not important. That's what I learned. I learned what I think is not important. Okay. What else did we learn? Uh, we learned that there's a real debate between uh, MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice as to who was the dominant pop culture icon uh, in the hip-hop world. Of, of 1991? <laughs> yeah, of whatever time that was, yeah. Um, hmm. Chick-fil-A is the goat, by the way. I had an, a, a hilarious Chick-fil-A experience last night. Oh, I think the one in Oxford reopens tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. Good, because we go there I frequently. Chick-fil-A for lunch. But... Uh, Little guy started a new school situation yesterday. Long, long day for him. Apparently did great. And so I wanted to reward him when I got home by taking him to to Chick-fil-A, but more specifically to get him ice cream. The issue is he's three, and when he hears the word ice cream, he loses it. And I don't want him eating ice cream in the car because he gets it all over himself. So I wanted to wait till I got home. So... I sympathize. Girl comes up to to my window to take our order, obviously. And I order everything else, and I say, and one cup of I-C-E-C-R-E-A-M. And, and she looks at me, and she goes, oh, ice cream? And then from the back, oh, God. ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. <laughs> and she felt so bad. I apologized a bunch of times, whatever. I pulled to the window. They tried to give it to me for free. I refused. Now, maybe I should have just taken it, but how nice is that? I mean, customer service, 10 times more than they ever needed to, they were going to give me free ice cream because it took the the young high school girl a second to realize what I was doing so I didn't spoil it for the three-year-old in the back, and they wanted to give it to me for free. That, my friends, is how you treat customers. Mm -hmm. And I was going to go back regardless, but how awesome was that? She felt so bad. She was so bad. Her face turned so red. It was like, thanks, you ruined it, but that's okay. Georgia on a heater. They made it a one-point game, 11-10, to 9-11 to go first half. Yeah. yeah. It is on pace for the under to uh, be a safe play. It, I'm just telling you, Mississippi State unders. You think that's a moneymaker? They work this year. I think that's a moneymaker for you this year. All right. We will, uh, we will continue to test. Maybe not theory. when they play Tennessee again. But we'll see. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chick Fil A in Oxford has been closed since September first for renovations. Originally, the plan was to be closed for ten weeks. Uh, September, October, November, December. That's sixteen, like eighteen weeks. My kids it's longer. Yeah, are, are excited about the return of Chick Fil A. That probably will be dinner tomorrow night. Their avocado ranch. So I get the wrap from there. I know. Make fun of me. I know. I, I but the avocado lime ranch that comes with the wrap, I, I, I could drink that with a straw, I think. Somebody on this show talked about drinking ranch with a straw today, and it wasn't me. That's a win. Which reminds me of my favorite joke of all time that I cannot tell. Please call me after tonight's Thunder and Lightning Live, which will be on the air in a few minutes. Just tell me a few that minutes. Joke, I want to hear. What, it. Uh, you got? Yeah. Uh, you got eight minutes until uh, Thunder and Lightning. We got a guest tonight. Yeah. No, no guest. No guest. But we're going to talk plenty about. We're going to talk about nothing. It's going to be like Seinfeld because there's no news. But we can talk about the the promise of news. You can uh, you can keep up with the scoring. I will be doing that. I will be keeping with, up with, uh, the game. with Mississippi State leading over Georgia, eleven to ten. Still, 
with 8.28 to play in the first quarter. Half. First half. We play halves in men's college basketball. Thanks for being with us. That was fun, I think. In the Pearl River Resort Studio, good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.